lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Three shows left for us in 2021 before we head off for the annual Christmas vacation. Merry Christmas to all of you. I am Steve Dace. Totters and an Aaron McIntyre, they are here with me as well. If you would like to join us today, let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. That's steve at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E is how to spell the last name. And then there's the socials. You can like us on Facebook where our traffic has decreased by 68%. At least that's what Facebook is even owning up to. So it's probably worse than that. They're telling us it's 68. It's probably worse than that. So our traffic has decreased there by 68% since the election. We must be doing something right to have been crushed, uh, trampled underfoot by them so much. But you can try liking us there if you're just bored, I guess. Uh, Or check out our our new MeWe page. That's the free speech alternative to Facebook. Uh, Look for Steve Dace there. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Is it just me or, or the last few weeks? Are we back to being able to pretty much tweet anything we want on Twitter again? It's crazy. The the, the, the feeling of freedom is intoxicating. Yeah, I mean, they must be pretty confident that Joe Biden's going to get sworn in now so we can can say whatever we want again. (laughs) Let's just be honest about that. Did you see the little memo that they put out on Twitter about vaccines, though? I did not. That, no, that's no. the next uh, official hmm. official memory hole. They're uh, telling you it's coming. Okay, uh, we will get into. Uh, we're getting all that stuff that we got all next year to do that. But follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, over on Parlor at Steve Dace, our YouTube channel at youtubecom slash Steve Dace. Uh, we have a jam packed show for you today. A couple things that uh, my inbox has the last two days. Okay, I I, I get it. I was I, I need to make a correction. 8,000 of you have emailed me that Benedict Arnold was not hung. Okay, I, that he escaped to England. Thank you. I, sh- I made a mistake the other day. I don't even remember how many days that was. That is the most emailed topic I have received this week is the fact check on Benedict Arnold. And you know what, though? I like that kind of stuff. It, it keeps you honest. It's just there were a ton of them. So uh, props to all of you that know your Benedict Arnold history. Uh, What's kind of funny is I'm actually somewhere in his family line, according to my wife's genealogy hobby. So you think I might've known this. Okay. But uh, no, he escaped to England, wasn't hung. So I was wrong. I I needed to fact check that. So thank you. Now, the other thing you guys want me to fact check, I won't. Because apparently there is some thought that according to Department of Justice policy, um, the attorney general, soon to be outgoing attorney general could not reveal publicly that Hunter Biden was under investigation for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, Remember when we coined the term leakocracy? Yeah. Remember, remember that? Yeah. Uh, And, and that came out of the Mueller probe, right? Sure. Can you guys guess which department of government was the Mueller probe an extension of? Do you guys know? Treasury? Uh, Transportation. Transportation. Yes. Yes. Um, No. The Department of Justice. All right. How many leaks did we get out of there? All of them. All of them. (laughs) Yes. So uh, you can take uh, somebody. Somebody. Can can we get a leak? Can we get a leak? (laughs) How much for one leak? How much for one leak? Thank you, Chris Rock. Can, can, Can a brother get a leak? No leaks for the brothers. We get nothing here. The brethren, we don't get any leaks. Can we get one leak? 
Could, could there be some some populist state deeply embedded, uh, not swamp, Everglade creature that could have maybe leaked to somebody? Hunter Biden is actually under investigation because somebody eventually did leak it. Um, and that's how we got this story. Could we have maybe done that like a year and a half ago? Is that too much to ask? We can't, a brother can't get one leak. Can we get one? Is that too much? One leak. Just one measly leak. Could we have gotten that? No, no, no. So I will not accept your fact check on that. I will pay Bill Barr no quarter whatsoever. And I, for the record, I thought he was a fraud and wanted him gone even before we found out that he knew all along. Correct? Correct. Correct. So I'm not changing my position on that. Benedict Arnold, fact check. True. I was wrong. Hunter Biden. No, no, no. I'm not accepting that fact check nor that excuse. And uh, Bill Barr should have been canned already a long time ago. I don't care how many friends of mine tweet otherwise or anything of that nature. One thing you guys are going to find out about me, I know our show's grown a lot this year. Um, And so some of my little quirks and nuances you're not familiar with yet. But Todd and Aaron can tell you whenever they want to make a point to me um, or they they want me to reconsider a point that that I am making, one tactic they never try is, well, so and so said this, so what do you think, right? You guys like never try that, right? You know why? Because I don't care. I'm not moved by opinion of other people. If, if you have to, if you can show me on the merits, I'm wrong about something. I, I will move, right? Sure. But it's going to have to be on the merits. I, arguments like, well, all these people or this person, said, I don't, I don't care. That, that, I'm, I'm perfectly fine being the only one that thinks something. And everybody else thinks differently. Doesn't mean I'm right, but you're going to have to move me on the merits of the argument, not on the alleged credentials of those with an alternative take. No, no. I'm a a kid born to a 15 year old mom who flunked out of college over Super Tech Mobile and intramural basketball. Okay, and I've beaten a lot of far more highly educated people than me at arguments. So I'm going to need more than so-and-so's credentials or so-and-so's opinions. Uh, if, if I don't care about that. I, I just, what is, what is right and what is wrong? What can we prove? What we can, we can't. And um, just because you were right the previous 10 times doesn't mean I think you're going to automatically be right number 11. Amen? Amen. So don't come at me with so-and-so said this or so I don't, I don't care. That doesn't tell me anything. Uh, challenge the merits of my argument that Bill Barr is a fraud, but do so in a way that doesn't invoke somebody else's name. All right. So, and that goes with pretty much everything else. Also, let me do this before I forget, because fellas, Christmas is coming. And let's face it, most of us are just beginning to do our shopping if we have even done it yet. All right. So, Bloomsy box. You can't get out, maybe see mom, grandma, some of the loved ones this year the way that you had hoped. Bloomsy box will put a smile on their face with fresh flowers that are grown on sustainable family farms all over the world. And then when you make that order, those flowers aren't then sent to a center and then dispatched out uh, to the delivery address. They're actually sent directly from the farm. And that's what keeps those flowers fresher and longer. I got some of these for my wife a few weeks ago, and they lasted on our kitchen counter for darn near three weeks. All right, so take advantage of the extra. They they have sales all the time, but right now they're offering you an extra 25% off store-wide. That's no hidden fees, no endless upsells. 
Uh, but this is going to end soon because Christmas is soon. All right. It's in a week. So make the deal now, fellas. Don't uh, don't delay. Take advantage of this. Use my name as the promo code Steve. Get 25% off over at bloomsybox.com. Bloom flowers. Get it? Uh-huh. Uh, Bloomsy. B-L-O-O-M-S-Y box. Bloomsybox.com. And use the promo code Steve to get 25% off. All right. Coming up on the show here today. Uh, three non-political questions. We'll continue our book study for Theology Thursday, looking back at my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot, which we have recently sold a ton of copies of that book. So thank you very much for that. Uh, Also, uh, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by, I had a complete brain fart. Who's joining me? Kyle Kyle Becker. Becker. How did I forget that? I don't know. I don't either. Kyle Becker, independent journalist. You know why it's funny that I forgot that? Because who's the one who went to you and said, hey, I want you to find out who this Kyle Becker is and get him on my show. That would be you, the that, host that of the be, show. That would be me. I, I did that. And then I looked and then, then and I had a Biden moment and couldn't remember. The guy that did the thing, that guy, he's going to join us. Anyway, uh, he has been all over the various tentacles of the voter fraud issue. And we're going to find out what he thinks he does and doesn't know here at the bottom of the hour. You don't want to miss that. But before we get to all of that, and maybe by then I'll remember his name. Before we get to all of that, here is, uh, what's your name over there? Uh Uh, uh, Here's Larry uh, with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by stimulus checks. Yesterday, there were reports that Congress was getting close to a deal to provide more coronavirus aid to American businesses, but there weren't going to be stimulus checks included. Translation, big businesses were going to get bailed out again, but those of us actually paying for those bailouts weren't going to get anything. Naturally, that prompted some strong reaction, and by the end of the day, Politico's Jake Sherman reported Mitch McConnell had overtly linked the need for direct stimulus payments to the Senate primary in Georgia, saying, quote, Kelly and David are getting hammered. Joe Biden's incoming deputy chief of staff, Jen O'Malley Dillon, who ran the Biden campaign, gave an interview to Glamour magazine last week where she lauded Biden for being, quote, able to connect with people over this sense of unity and promote bipartisanship. She went on in the same interview to talk about Republicans, quote, I'm not saying they're a bunch of Mitch McConnell is terrible, end quote. Kamala Harris posted this video yesterday. To remind our children of every gender that they should not be confined by the limited perception that some might have of who they are and what they can be. And this is where we are, I think, advancing as a society with each one of these moments. It says to everyone, don't let anyone put you in a box because of your gender. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, what if you identify as a box? Former Mayor Boy Pete Buttigieg talked about his new post as head of the Transportation Department. At its best, transportation makes the American dream possible, getting people and goods to where they need to be, directly and indirectly creating good-paying jobs. At its worst, misguided policies and missed opportunities can reinforce racial, economic, and environmental injustice, dividing or isolating neighborhoods, undermining government's basic role to empower everyone to thrive.
Checking in once more on the Branch Covidians, who are starting to wonder why there's a spike in the deaths of young people over the past year, despite coronavirus having a .00003 infection fatality ratio, according to the CDC. There appears to have been this inexplicable spike in the deaths of young people this year. There are, are an average number of deaths every year for different age groups. Not this year, not 2020. So here's what we now know um, from JAMA. Uh... July appears to have been the deadliest month among this age group, meaning under 44 years old, in modern American history. Over the past 20 years, an average of 11,000 young American adults under 44 died each July. This year, that number swelled to more than 16,000. So can we conclude that that is coronavirus? I think almost assuredly. The state of California hit a one-day record of COVID cases with more than 50,000 reported and nearly 400 deaths. Governor Gavin Newsom talked about his failed lockdowns and mask mandates. The Pennsylvania Department of Health released some guidelines this fall entitled Safer Sex and COVID-19. Here are a few of the selections from those guidelines. Limit the number of partners, try to identify a consistent sex partner, wear a face covering, avoid kissing, and do not touch your eyes, nose, or mouth with unwashed hands. Wash your hands with soap and water often, and especially before and after sex. If soap and water are not available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. If you usually meet your sex partner, online, consider taking a break from in-person dates. Video dates, sexting, subscription-based fan platforms, or chat rooms may be options for you. And finally, the popular singer Lizzo, who has in the recent past been an out-and-proud member of the proud-to-be-morbidly-obese community, recently announced that she's going to try and start losing some weight. Naturally, she became the object of scorn from the morbidly-obese lefties. So-called body-positivity author Stephanie Yaboa said, Lizzo, girl, why? It was inevitable. The industry is so violent towards fat women. Of course, she was going to submit to toxic diet culture. It was only a matter of time. Another Twitter user by the name of Leah said, My heart hurts with all of my fat peers today. Even though she won't say it and probably would try to excuse it, I'm sorry that Lizzo did that to us. We are worthy and what she posted was so F-worded. If you are triggered and upset by it, I'm right there with you. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is her body, her choice. Su cuerpo, su elección. And that's what happened while we were away. Brilliant commentary there at the end, Aaron. Uh, his montage brought to you by uh, Keeps. Who knows that losing your hair is no fun. So let's talk about options you may have on the table. Here's one. You can go to your doctor for a hair loss treatment prescription, then visit the pharmacy as you try not to go broke while avoiding and trying not to go bald. Or you can try Keeps from the comfort of your own home where you get the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but Keeps offers the generic versions for about half of the cost. And one more thing, you're going to love not just the savings. How about that convenience? It's all done online. Just answer a few questions, snap a few pics, a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. That's shipped directly to your door. So savings, convenience, how about even more savings? Half off your first order right now. Half off your first order when you go to keeps.com slash grow. That's K-E-E-P-S for keeps.com slash grow have off your first order all right let's uh let's react to some of what aaron had in his montage you know you know the analysis i laid out yesterday on the stimulus checks 
Yeah. You know it was right and obvious when by the end of the afternoon, reports start coming out that Mitch McConnell was, uh, old cocaine Mitch Ditch, was saying the exact same thing to Republicans in the, uh, uh, in the cloakroom there. When, when it's so bad, when this tactic is so bad, now, hey, if you want to oppose the whole thing, I'm okay with that, right? You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, you want to oppose the whole thing, that's fine. But don't do payoffs that don't include the people who are actually paying the bills. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that. Either do everything or nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But 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 don't don't give the Kennedy Center or whatever this bill's version of it is any more money while not giving the families who have been largely at home, et cetera, nothing. Okay, don't don't do that. And it was so obvious, okay, that even by the time we all went home yesterday afternoon after the show, McConnell, uh, there were uh, press stories that McConnell was pointing this out to Republicans in the Senate, that this is how bad of a strategy this was. That even old ditch had to sound like me. That was my point yesterday about it. It, it, it wasn't really the any particular principle or ideology. It's just uh, how how bad are you guys at this game? Mm-hmm. You're terrible at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron, you put up a graphic for the infection fatality ratio from the CDC. I, I want our audience uh, to to see this again. Okay, um, infection fatality ratio. That's actually the most accurate way to determine the lethality of an outbreak. Now, the problem with using this number is um, if you're not routinely testing for antibodies, or if you are, but not releasing the results, I mean, that could be going on too, if you know what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That that could be happening too. Okay. You don't really know how many people were infected because there are, especially with an outbreak where our primary concern, what is our primary concern with this outbreak? What kind of spread, gentlemen, are we primarily supposed to be concerned about with COVID-19? Asymptomatic spread, right? Which means all kinds of healthy people have gotten it and they don't even know, okay? So this year, Since the country began to open back up in May, I have been to Texas, what, three times? Texas and back three times. I've been out to Los Angeles and back. And I I just went to Florida and back for Disney World. And until recently, when when Big Ten College football started, I was going to the movies when when they reopened pretty much every weekend here for several months. What are the odds... I have not either been exposed or infected with this virus. I've been on how many planes, et cetera. What are the odds? Probably low, I would guess, right? But you haven't. No, that yeah, I have not been. Yeah. yeah, probably pretty low, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't had a fever in like three years, okay? So, um, I, in fact, I, uh, somebody I was around a few months ago was exposed and it was suggested to me to get tested. I said, I'm not. I'm not getting tested. I don't have any symptoms. Why would I get tested without any symptoms? I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? That's the whole game. 
Test people with no symptoms. That's for what? 0.7% asymptomatic spread? I'm not doing that. No. I mean, look at the mitigation strategies. You stay home longer. You quarantine longer for contact tracing than you do with a positive test in some of these places. No, I'm not doing that. If I have symptoms, I'll go right away, but I don't. Doesn't, it doesn't mean no one in my house has been temp tested. A couple of the kids had some of the symptoms at times this year. We had them tested right away. They were negative every time. So from the beginning, you know, we're not idiots. We're not like, hey, just the, the antidote to COVID stan is uh, head in the sand stan. That's not the antidote to this. We just want, what's the truth? The truth is the antidote. Not swinging from one fallacy to another. Just need to know what the truth is. Now, the problem with, with, with knowing a true infection fatality ratio, so we often use the case fatality ratio, because that math is easily accept, accessible to all of us. We can just go to Johns Hopkins website, the CDC website, Worldometer, how many websites, right? And just look at how many cases are going on in your state, your community, any country in the world, divided by the number of deaths, and you get a case fatality ratio, right? right. All that data is somewhat accessible to pretty much everybody, which is why that's the stat that's often used. But if you really want to know the lethality of, a, of an outbreak, you want to know the infection fatality ratio. But the only way that we would do that, and if you want to know why um, countries that were heavily in lockdown, uh, like Denmark and some of these others, were some of the first to reopen, it's because they did standardized antibody testing of their countries. They, to, they wanted to know what's the true infection fatality rate of our country. When they found out that how low it is, they said, well, there's really no point to shutting everything down for this. So the CDC, as far as I know, and I've, I've been on the cutting edge of coronavirus data with just about the best of them the course of this year. I don't know if, they've, if they have done some, they have not published any antibody results have we have not I've not seen any publicly released antibody results from our CDC since 4th of July weekend. And those were tests that those were the results of antibody testing that were done. And I think about a dozen locales uh, in the at the end of April and early May. And they released those 4th of July weekend is when we got them. What is the date today? December 8th, 17th. 17th. So five and a half months later, we're in the middle of a major outbreak, we're told, right? And for, we go five and a half months and your CDC has no antibody dot, data that it has released whatsoever because otherwise we don't really, we as we the people, we don't have the means to go do all that kind of testing, right? right. So we can't acquire that information. We have to rely on institutions and government to, and, and, and medical societies to provide that information to us. So here is what the CDC is telling you. Is the current infection fatality rate for COVID-19 stratified by age group. Um... Uh, um, why is any school closed? Just look at this for yourself. These numbers are minuscule, minuscule. Why, 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 why is any school closed? Do you, do you know? Teachers unions. Okay. Why is any movie theater closed? Now I leave that up there, Aaron. I want people to choke on these numbers. 
Why is any movie theater anywhere in America closed? You could at least socially distance there, right? Sit people in any other row, right? Here's one. Why, why is any church in America closed? Any church. I just want you to look at these numbers. And if, you're, if you can't watch today, if you're just listening, I'll just summarize them for you. They are zero point, uh, they're zeros, and we're into decimal points. Why is any church closed? Why did we need mail-in voting? Uh, so they could steal the election. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? I'm and sorry. there goes our YouTube channel. Okay, my bad. Um, um, I meant, um, um, why didn't we trust in-person voting? Did I phrase the question properly that time? Okay. Um, but but why, why were you told not to visit loved ones for Thanksgiving? Why are you being told to stay home for Christmas? I mean, look at these numbers. They're, it's astonishing, really. And I want to, and, and the way that Aaron, you tied that into the CNN clip. So here are two professional journalists and their degrees. And Sanjay Gupta's the 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 dweeb in the middle, isn't he? I, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. And he's a big time doctor, of course, an expert. And he get he gets asked a fourth grade um, causation equals correlation question, the the kind of fallacy that in philosophy one hundred and one you're taught your first day of that class in college to reject, right? Okay. Well, of course. I mean, we we, we must draw that. Uh, we mu- we must draw. Right? How about how about young people killing themselves because you're making them stay inside for these numbers? How about that for a causation to correlation or correlation to causation? Your thoughts, America. Maybe that's why, because we got kids going on Zoom calls, blowing their brains out because they're sick of this. Might that be why? Okay. They're not doing science or data. They haven't been this entire time. This has been propaganda. This is the data. This is right from your CDC. Don't don't argue with me. Take it up with them, Facebook science team. That's their data. That's their estimate. Nothing should be shut down in this country with those numbers. Nothing. That doesn't mean there doesn't need to be social distancing. That doesn't mean if you're going to have people indoors conglomerated in in a close setting, no one wears masks. I don't think masks work as a mitigation strategy for a community. That doesn't mean that they wouldn't provide at least some support in a, in, 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 if 50 people are in an elevator. You know what I'm saying? Sure. That they might there, but corporately as a setting, they don't work. We know that in real-time data. But to me, that we'll, we can fight the social distancing and mask argument later. We got to win this argument first. Because after all, if social distancing and mask work, then why are things still closed? Why don't we just social distance and mask, open everything up and social distance and mask at those places, right? right. You can't tell me both. Both things cannot be true. Choose one. You tell me, you prove to me that social distancing and masks work. Because then why isn't everything opened? And we'll just do social distancing and masking while it's opened. Why don't we just do that? So it doesn't work then? Well, the state of California, another country heard from, where they have had forms of lockdowns and mask mandates since April. 
months and months and months of them. I was there the first week the state reopened to go and do the initial work for the nefarious plot movie. First week the state reopened, I was there. Everybody wore masks everywhere. I was all throughout L.A., Hollywood, Burbank, Pasadena. Everybody wore masks everywhere. People were driving their cars with masks. And that was in mid-June. Months and months and months. We're talking about canceling the Rose Bowl. Something hasn't happened since like World War I. Months and months and months and months and months of masks. Lockdowns. And now California with its deadliest day ever yesterday. Most cases ever yesterday. It is the capital of COVID, Stan. It is where the Branch Covidians make their hajj. It's the Mecca. Why didn't it work? Why didn't it work? Because it doesn't work. That's why. It doesn't work. It doesn't work and it hasn't worked anywhere. You get pretty much the same results no matter what you do. You get pretty much the same results. This is the battle we're going to have to fight all over again after January 20th if Dementia Joe gets inaugurated. So prepare yourself. More in a moment. Just had the daily built bar bake uh, break. Easy for me to say, built bar break. Um, I'm just telling you, you've never had a protein bar this good. And I've tried a ton of them over the years, and it's always okay. Well, this one I can digest, but it has too much sugar. All right, that one has the sugar, the low sugar count I'm looking for, but man, that is tough on my tummy. Oh, and and then there is okay. Uh, that one isn't tough on the tummy, but um. And it doesn't have high sugar, but it tastes like a cardboard box, right? Uh, with a terrible texture, etc. Built Bar eliminates all of that. Easy on the tummy. Less than 5 grams of sugar per bar. Up to 20 grams of protein per bar. Less than 200 calories in every bar. All of them covered in real chocolate with the texture of like a Three Musketeers. Over 20 flavors. They've now got a brand new white chocolate line as well. I mean, that white chocolate sea salt caramel one is phenomenal, man. So uh, you want to give this a shot and use my name to get 20% off your first order with the best protein bar you've ever had, I promise, at Built Bar. Not like Bill Bar. Not that uh, BillBar.com will just, that's a road to nowhere. You'll get no answers. Somebody will play some bagpipes on an avatar, uh, give a speech, and then you'll get nowhere. Okay? Now go to Built Bar. B-U-I-L-T. BuiltBar.com. That's where you want to go. Right now, promo code DACE. These are some stocking stuffers. Get the candy cane brownie they have right now for Christmas. It's incredible, too. Built Bar. B-U-I-L-T. BuiltBar.com. Use my name, DACE, D-E-A-C-E, as the promo code for 20% off. All right, I've been following our guest today's work online for the last few weeks. Uh, he has been all over the various stories that I, I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my arms around it because... 
I'd have to like only cover this story and like nothing else just to keep up with it. It's constantly evolving. Thankfully, we have people like independent journalist Kyle Becker, who is doing that for us. He joins us now here on Blaze TV. Kyle, my name is Steve Dace. Merry Christmas. Uh, Good to have you with us, man. How are you? Hey, Steve. I know who you are. I'm from Iowa. I went to the University of Iowa. Oh. I went to the University of Northern Iowa. I heard you on the radio. I was like, who's this guy? My friend turned me on to you. And so I, I know you. And so I was really excited to come on the show because like, I just feel like I, I know your background. I know your work and uh, I'm very comfortable with uh, everything that you've been doing. And I, I'm really thrilled to be here. So Well, that is very, very cool, man. Um, so what you, you're a graduate of Northern Iowa, you said, you and I? And U- University of Iowa, both of them. Both of them. Iowa State, no. Okay. No Iowa State, just University of Iowa and you and I. Yeah, you saw that they swept all the Big 12 awards today for football, right? Offensive player of the wow. year, defensive player of the year, coach of the year, great. all of them at Iowa State. But you guys are having a good season too, so that's cool. All right, well, that yeah. is that is that is very cool, dude. So it's good to connect with you finally. Beyond yes. your education, we, we, we mentioned you're an independent journalist. Give our audience a little background of, of what you've done and where you've worked in the past. All right. So I think, you know, I was in uh, a doctoral program at SUNY Albany for political science, and I basically got up to the point where I was halfway through my dissertation and was totally spooked by all these Marxist Leninists on the faculty, you know, Maoists and all this. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be a part of these guys. I want to expose them for a living. So I was invited to be a part of this startup called Independent Journal Review. Mm-hmm. We hit the ground running and had a lot of viral success uh, through the 2016 election. And uh, I was the director of viral media and the senior managing editor. And we ran one of the best Facebook pages out there, Conservative Daily. And uh, so since then, I was a chief editor of BizPack Review. And then I was recruited for Fox News, where I worked uh, for Hannity as a primetime producer and just helped with with shows um, in the primetime lineup. So uh, since then, I'm becoming an independent journalist. I'm, I'm working on my own material. Uh, you know, uh, I have my own interests and causes that I am promoting, uh, and I've got some things going in that in dire- that direction, as you can tell. Um, but in the meantime, I'm really trying to expose a lot of things that I think are undercovered in the media at large, and especially corporate media. Uh, using Twitter as a vehicle, but I also use Substack. Um, so people don't have to necessarily go directly to Twitter. They can just, you know, kind of avoid that and not worry about the algorithm and all this business. So that's kind of part of what's driving some of some of this sort of independent journalism that I'm I'm doing. I think that there's just a a profound disconnect between the reportage before the 2020 election and after the 2020 election in terms of election security. And this has kind of been my beat that I've honed in on because I just think it's so undercovered and it's not taken seriously by blue check Twitter. And that that doesn't mean just liberals. I think there's a lot of conservative journalists who are just missing fundamentals of the story. I don't know if they're just not interested in it or they're just, you know, don't want to be deplatformed on YouTube or whatever. I don't know that why they're not covering this. But since I don't have any corporate attachments, I can dig in and really show people. And that's really what drives me showing people how to find trustworthy, verifiable information and and they can look at it and I can do my best to frame it and set it up for them why they should care about it. But ultimately, uh, it's it's really up to to journalists uh, to really take this as seriously as it deserves. But it looks like my audience on Twitter is taking it very seriously. Um, so what do you think about it? Like, I, I mean, it, it, just uh, what are your thoughts about the voting systems, Dominion voting systems, ESNS, like, you know, um, 
What's your reaction to all of this? Well, I, I want to take you back, Kyle, because you just tweeted about this. This is your most recent tweet uh, I saw. I want to take you back to when I worked with uh, with Glenn uh, and the team helping to anchor our election night coverage here on Blaze TV that we did. And I mean, I, I, Glenn and I sat there. We were the two that I think were there on the on the desk all night. So for like eight hours until this thing finally ended. And one of the data points I brought up in because I was following uh, a lot of uh, the internal voting going on and those sorts of trends because that's my background with uh, is, is politically is, is data analysis, messaging, strategy, things of that nature. And I, and and I, I I zeroed in on a county live on the air, Antrim County, Michigan. Now you know if you've listened to me uh, when you're growing up, I grew up in Michigan. I know that state very very well. Okay, and uh, Antrim County, Michigan is a pretty Republican county. Donald Trump won that county by like 30 points in 2016. Yet on election night, we were being told that he was going to lose that county by about 20 points. And I brought that up to our audience without knowing, I've never even heard of a Dominion system, although it sounds like something out of a left behind book, frankly. All right? Right. I'd never even heard of any of this stuff. I, no one really had. But I just said to my audience, that can't possibly be true. Okay. Doesn't mean he lost the county. But there's no way there's like a 50-point swing in that county from one cycle to the next with the same guy on the ballot, and the economy is actually better than it was when he took over, right? If he was like some kind of Hoover, Jimmy Carter character, maybe. I don't think you'd still see a 50-point swing, but that, that just didn't smell right to me, and I brought that up to my audience. Well, now we've had an audit of this county, correct? And now we've got yeah. a, a, a case going to the Michigan Supreme Court about this county. Tell us about that. Uh, well, actually, it's it's fi- it's being filed at the, Sup- the 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 Supreme Court because uh, basically what the lawsuit from Powell and Wood, who are representing their clients, want to do is ensure that the Supreme Court recognizes that the Trump-backed electors in Michigan are able to be voted by. I, I'm not sure wh- why they feel like they need to clarify this, but there is a conflict and there are legislators in Michigan who feel like there's a conflict in the law, which actually the constitution, I don't know if they've heard of the supremacy clause, but the constitution recognizes that they can send whatever slate of electors, you know, the, the, the legislature can. It's been done before in Hawaii in 1960, for example. But one of the things they appended, one of the appendixes or, you know, the, that they're sending is the, is the, the audit that you're talking about. Now, when I brought this up earlier, liberals are saying, well, Trump is exactly what you said. Well, Trump won this county and the recount, uh, you know, clarified that this that the machine was wrong. And then there was a 68 percent error rate in the count. And when the CEO, John Polis, was interviewed before the Michigan state legislature, uh, I believe two days ago, he essentially did not rebut that it was a 68 percent error rate. So what I mean, so what does that mean? He basically blamed it for human error. So what does that mean? Well, Dominion is the second biggest voting machine company in the United States behind ESNS, which is used in Philadelphia, for example. How do we know? that there aren't more glitches, which apparently that you're not Mm -hmm. allowed to say that they're glitches, but uh, how do we know that there aren't glitches all over the place like Cobb County, Georgia, which is not, it's like the only, it's another county that's being audited, but what about Fulton County? What about DeKalb? Uh, What about Gwinnett County in Georgia? What about other counties in Michigan? so so th- this kind of goes to the broader picture, like how can we trust the voting results when we know for a fact 
there was a 68% error rate. Now, what happens when there's an error? It goes to a process called adjudication. Adjudication means the election supervisor can over uh, can clarify the votes with a broad sweeping uh, a range of authority on how to clarify these votes. Mm -hmm. And we saw in Coffee County, Georgia, an election supervisor lead us through how Dominion software does it. So you can see it yourself. I mean, I posted it again recently uh, on my Twitter, at Kyle and a Becker. So if you wanted to look at the video for, for yourself, so it kind of resolves some of this uncertainty about how this happens. But basically there's a pop-up and you could run uh, em uh, unfilled ballots mismarked ballots, overvotes, undervotes, the same ballots twice, and you can just approve them. Very simple. And the, the shocking thing about this is that it's supposed to be used for marginal problems like overvotes, for example, but it's being used, uh, it was 200, 000, almost 200,000 adjudications between Fulton and Gwinnett counties in Georgia. Uh, Kelly Ward in Arizona said there was over 100,000 in Maricopa County, but there were at least 28,000 that were adjudicated there. Okay, so what does this mean? It means that, that with the combination of the mail-in votes, where it's the ballots signatures are separated from the mail-in votes, so you can't really do the signature matching doesn't really help you with the mail-in votes. Um, that you can essentially adjudicate stacks of mail-in or absentee votes, and it, what would you have to do to 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 be you just able have to, to essentially you trust? Have to hand count them all. You have to. You have to. You have now. Now, what's funny about this? Right. You go to a system like this so that you don't have to worry about. Yes. human interference right that's that's the explanation we we take the human error and and human prejudice out of the process and we utilize a system like this but again machines are not autonomous algorithms are not autonomous and so if you have a glitch or something goes wrong eventually a human being is going to have to enter into the process right and render some form of a judgment or adjudication as you said and who are these people are they elected officials are they people directly accountable to us or are they people like are, are they people you could sue if they do it poorly who appoints them do you just have to trust that they're that they can be um you know uh, they can operate with integrity in such a uh, a tempting environment do we know answers to these questions well like we saw with the election supervisor she is the first chain in this and then when the adjudication goes to a, like a panel was supposed to have representatives from both parties that supervise this but when you're talking like tens of thousands of ballots mm -hmm. What kind of process, like how thorough can a small panel of right. people, people be with tens of thousands of votes? What and certainly not in a quick amount. Of, if they are being thorough, it's not something you're going to adjudicate in an hour or two or even a night or two. Right. And I think people need to understand Antrim County is a small county. This is not Fulton County, Georgia. This is not Wayne County, Michigan. All right. And so what are the odds? That a system glitched in a in a, in a modest-sized county, overwhelmed by the over just overwhelmed and glitched there and glitched nowhere else, where right. there is far greater traffic that it has to cycle through in a given night, far more votes than it has to cycle through in a given night. What are what are greater odds that it, that's a unique glitch that just happened there in a modestly-sized county, or that there were other glitches therefore that if it couldn't handle the workload in 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 Antrim County, Michigan, how did it handle the workload in some of these other places then? That's that's the question, Steve. And uh, John Polis says, CEO of Dominion, his testimony was very enlightening because he kept going back to the fact that there was human error and a lack of updates. Now, 
here's the thing about that. Uh, if, if you go back and look at some of the documentation I provided, you know, on my Twitter, but uh, you can look at it. They don't go back to recertify every time there's a security threat to their system. They simply change the code. It's not recertified. So that's number one. Uh, number two, there's a way the, the password security is very lax. That's number two. It's there's like a universal uh, key that mm -hmm. you can use to get into these machines. That's another problem. Uh, number three, uh, you know, the the software itself on a lot of these machines are outdated. So like they're not even Windows updated in some cases. Like there was just <laughs> if you read all of these readouts, it's just like security problem after security problem. Unsecured flash drives, like we saw in Georgia, they lost they lost flash drives with with Trump surplus votes. Uh, two at least two of them. Um, so this tells you that the entire process is flawed. And I, and I just wondered, like what you said with the human, the human error factor that goes into it. Again, we have a lot of people obsessing about, you know, supposed foreign servers in Germany, which I, I checked out. And like, I, you know, I'm waiting for any evidence that this actually happened. Uh, all of the server trails and all of this. There's, there's like two things to keep in mind here. You don't, you don't need that. You don't need this elaborate conspiracy. You don't you need something very concrete and understandable. We saw that with the state vote farm uh, arena video concrete. Now, this has gotten zero play. Quickly, I've got look, about, I've got about a minute left. Go ahead. All right. So you look and you can see them doing what the election supervisor in Coffee County did. And that's running ballots through them multiple times. Go to it. It's time stamped. Okay, as you know in the business, it's time stamped through the CCTV video. You can see them running it multiple times, so it's very concrete. And if you combine that with the election supervisor who just walks you through it step by step, it becomes very crystal clear how this happened. It wasn't like a John Lacar spy thriller. It was just uh, motivated uh, election workers who think that Trump is literally worse than Hitler. Okay justifying in their minds that we're just going to run these ballots through multiple times, go back, adjudicate, check, go back, adjudicate, check, back, adjudicate, check. And if you see combined with what we were talking about with Antrim County and the high error rates, there's enough reason to, to, to really just we need to get these voting systems out of here uh, and we need to just go back to hand count ballots, yep. voter IDs, yep. uh, just simple common sense That's things right. that have worked for, yep. for centuries. Yep. Unless, unless, the, unless the goal is to wreck the system and have us, instead of airing our grievances against each other at the ballot box peaceably, if the goal is to wreck that system, so then we'll do it to each other violently in the streets, then keep doing systems like this, because that's how that process we is going to eventually it. turn out. And we don't want that. Everybody want just show up with a voter ID. You cast your ballot in person. It's counted in person. And we all just, and, and it's your neighbors. It's the people you know at that precinct. You go to church with them. They live down the street. It's Merle who owns the hardware store. That that kept the peace here despite a lot of deep cultural divisions for about 150 years since reconstruction yeah. stick with that all right kyle great thank stuff you, man Steve. appreciate thank it you. merry christmas thank you very much merry christmas all right and definitely check out his twitter feed all right uh kyle kyle like it sounds na becker at kyle na becker a ton of great stuff on there on, on this story we'll come back hour two next And greetings back with our two live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Again, Kyle N.A. Becker, if you were just tuning in. I mean, we if, if you've been following that guy's work, um, you know, we could have done 
three-hour show with the stuff that he has been uh, gathering and sharing and trying to get to the bottom of. Um, we only scratched the surface of a conversation with him. Make sure you're following him on Twitter uh, and on Parlor. He's over there as well. Uh, Kyle N.A. Becker. Again, Kyle N.A. Becker, a ton, a ton of stuff uh, on what's been going on with the voting irregularity uh, issue and or election fraud, if you prefer. But what I find interesting is, and you and I, were, were, you mentioned this during the break, Todd, that um, so we did this our overtime yesterday. And I know you guys were like, why put that in the overtime? Because that conversation couldn't be had in a 10 or 15 minute block that our show clock permits. And so it, and, and, I, and, and then you have to take a break and interrupt it. It was better, better to put her, Karen Muller, uh, in the overtime yesterday. So we could just say, all right, yet, and tell us as long as it takes to tell us the story without us interrupting. You want to go get that overtime yesterday. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, blazetv.com slash days. That's where you can go to get a discounted subscription. Treat yourself for Christmas. You'll be thankful uh, if for no other reason. This interview, uh, you're going you're gonna to want to see. This is just a woman. And, and you know what? Their Karens um, uh, hound you about wearing masks. Our Karens uh, show up at their state Supreme Courts waving constitutions. <laughs> All right. And so Karen's just a grandma, but she's also an attorney. So she knows BS when she sees it. And she's a grandma. So you know she knows BS when she sees it, right? All right. So put those two things together and Karen ain't having it. Karen ain't having it. All right. Um, And so she happened to go and read the statutes of her state of Wisconsin. And fine, that's your former home state, Todd. Fine that the statute specifically forbids drop-off boxes for votes. Like, you just... You know why? Because even saying that out loud, doesn't that sound like a banana republic? Drop-off boxes for votes. I mean... Just just saying that out loud is is, it's just we're not serious about this. Which is probably why it's a law that we don't have them. And so she's like, well, that's a problem because we had over 500 of them in the state. There's over 500 of these in Wisconsin, and the law says you can't do this. So she took it right to the state Supreme Court, not knowing what was going to happen. And then the army of attorneys... That was the point that, that immediately it, mobilized when, when they she, saw her petition. Uh, what, what was it? Uh, Perkins Coy, when she said that those lawyers hopped on this? Yes. Uh, say what now? Yeah. Um, and anyway, you've got to go and get this story of where these drop boxes came from in her state. And it, it, it essentially just came from the two GOP establishment hacks that run her state legislature just went to a symposium with the National Association of Secretary of States and people like that and just thought, you know, this in a pandemic, this is just a great idea. One of them, by the way, she failed to mention, she did in our conversation, uh, Voss, I can't remember, I think he's the, the Speaker of the House. He's in charge of one of those mm-hmm. organizations. He ah. is actually the president, he's, he's the president of it, the current one at least. So a little double dip there, yeah. obviously, yeah. So not even the Democratic governor and yours is bad. This wasn't some edict from a, a pen and a phone. No, no. executive order. No. That, that didn't have an emergency session of the legislature. Just the two highest ranking Republican swamp creatures there in the Wisconsin State Assembly just thought, we all know the Constitution has a good ideas clause, right? Let's just do this. 
Yes. That's where it came from. Can I, on, on a random note, just, just on this entire topic, I keep being told from well-meaning people that it's just as simple as President Trump was an immensely, immensely unpopular, even hated figure, mm-hmm. and that was borne out in this election. So he was so unpopular and so hated that it's absolutely not in even any realm of possibility that there would be forces, individuals, figures at every level attempting to not get in his way of uh, of winning re-election. You see what I'm saying? Yep. You can't claim both of those things. That's, yes. Like this was a completely clean election. If he's so unpopular, with- then what links would people go to to be rid of him is what you're saying. Exactly. Right? Also, at the same time that he was uniquely unpopular, he also got the second most votes anybody's ever received for the U.S. presidency ever. He increased his vote total by about 10 million votes from what he got the last time. So it's not true that he's uniquely unpopular. It is true he's uniquely polarizing. That That is absolutely true. And when you make voting as accessible, I guess we'll use that word, uh, as possible, then that polarization is going to show up. But since you went there, before we go to Theology Thursday, since you went there, Aaron, you guys know I know a lot of political people in Texas. Yeah. A lot of my friends politically. At this point, I may have as many political contacts in Texas as I do Iowa. Okay. Might as well have Texas be the first in the nation caucus state. I might be able to organize that state now as as like I could help organize in Iowa. All right. And so within that group of friends, uh, last week, we got into a back and forth on a, on a group text that they didn't believe this because of what you just said. And they pointed out, they went to some of their congressional races in the state where their candidates, like my buddy Chip Roy, for example, underperformed in the in suburbs of Austin, but then overwhelmingly won the rural areas and say that that totally matches up, they told me, that, that totally matches up with how Trump performed here in Texas. And so they're like, we don't, we don't, we don't see what you guys are talking about. I asked them, how many Dominion machines you guys have in Texas? The answer is none, because Texas rejected the Dominion voting system, by the way. I said, um, is it Harris County that Houston is in? I believe that's the big biggest Sounds Democratic. Right, yep. And then Dallas County is the other one. Um, how many 4 a.m. vote drops did they do in Harris County the next the next morning? Mm. None. I said, you're I said, you're guilty, my friends. Because your state is at least willingly competent, willing to be competent about running an election. You're running the math in your state and then extrapolating it everywhere else because the math makes sense in your state. Your Republican congressional candidates struggled in the same places, the same suburbs that Donald Trump struggled in. There was a trickle down effect, right? But your Republican candidates over overachieved in the rural areas like that's where Donald Trump overachieves, meaning there was a congruency. You know, Daniel Horowitz and I talked before the election that elections always have a congruency to them. Like the idea that you were going to that Joe Biden was going to lose Florida by four and a half points which is about twice what that state's average margin has been in the last, what, six presidential elections or something like that, okay? But then he's going to win Georgia. That just isn't, that's not how, that's, that's not how it works. The, the, the ground is much more fertile for him in Florida than it is in Georgia and their neighboring states. And so those sorts of anomalies don't typically exist. Now, we're being told that they do this year because of the mail-in voting. 
I agree. Oh, yes. I agree they exist this year because of the mail-in voting. That is precisely my point. So you didn't have all these 4 a.m. drop-offs in Harris or Dallas County, Texas. And so you can make the math work. It makes sense. Trump is not popular with suburban voters. Is that true? It is yeah. true. At least not as much as a typical Republican is. Sure. That's true, right? Trump is very popular in rural areas. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. And so they just showed me, they went through their mm-hmm. map of Texas and we had these long conversations and, and they're showing me how they're congr- it all lined up because there was some competency and legitimacy to your process. So the math works. You don't have Fulton County, Georgia in Texas or Wayne County, Michigan in Texas or Milwaukee County, Wisconsin in Texas. You don't have that. Or is it Laverne? Is that the county that Philadelphia is in, I believe, in Pennsylvania? No, Philadelphia County. Or Philadelphia County. Okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have that. You don't have that in your state. Now, you might next time, those Democrats in Harris County might be thinking, hot damn. I mean, we got to get ourselves a, uh, a, a little taste of that. But you didn't have the dynamic that they're arguing about in those states. And essentially, the argument comes down to this. We can follow Dominion corporate flowcharts. You can follow it all. It really boils down to this question. How is it? Do you believe that Joe Biden overperformed Barack Obama in about a half dozen counties that just so happened to not understand how to operate the U.S. postal system with the deadline was to drop ballots off when the election took place? And those just happened to be the half dozen counties he needed to flip the map. Do you believe that? Then you have to believe that all of the people that handled those ballots, all of the local officials that oversee that ballot and election process and all those Democratic county machines, you also have to accept and believe that they all operated with the utmost integrity. I don't believe that. I don't. And so you if, if you cannot extrapolate or prorate your election in Texas with Pennsylvania. Dude, have you seen the health minister in Pennsylvania? Dude looks like a lady. I mean, the bearded lady is the Pennsylvania health minister. You know, we're all bemoaning, oh man, Beto can only lose by lose by three points in Texas, right? We're all, remember those, Texas is going to go blue. Dude, outside of maybe the San Antonio City Council, run a bearded lady for health minister in Texas, man. Ain't, that's not happening there. That's the health minister of Pennsylvania. You're not the same. You're not the same. So you cannot say because the math added up in Texas and the election, the, the elections, um, uh, you know, trajectory is congruent in our here in Texas. It all made sense to us. Philadelphia County, Milwaukee County, Fulton County, Wayne County are not Texas. And frankly, there's nothing in Texas, not even in the bluest places, anything like those Democratic machines there. But allow them the precedent of name that ballot. 
auctions instead of elections. Uh, over here, over here, I got 500,000 votes, 50,000 votes, 50,000 going once, going twice, going three times, sold for you. Allow that precedent to stand, and y'all down there in Texas will. You will. You will. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new MeWe page, uh, Steve Dace, as well. Uh, and then our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. If you enjoy the podcast, thank you very much. Uh, hit that subscribe button for us and leave us a five-star review if you like our Facebook page as well. All right, let's get to some Theology Thursday brought to you by our friends over at Brickhouse Nutrition. Life is about habits. So how about starting some good ones, right? We've focused a lot on our health this year. And one thing we have learned is maybe we have forgotten some old truths about preventative health. That, you know, what happens when the sick care system shuts down and you can't go see the doctor for everything again? Are there things preventatively that we can do to make ourselves healthier than we were before. That's where Field of Greens comes in. It is packed with 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables loaded with antioxidants. Uh, it's got uh, it's a powerful combination of natural ingredients that will support heart health, a healthy immune system, metabolism, blood pressure, digestion, all of the good stuff, the pre and probiotics you're looking for as well. Just put one scoop in a glass of any water-based drink and mix it up. You're good to go. You're going to get more fruits and vegetables than the average American will get in an entire day, just in that one sitting. If you want to give it a shot, and it doesn't taste horrible either. You want to give it a shot. Go to BrickHouseSteve.com. Get 15% off your first order with the promo code Steve. That's the promo code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. Again, BrickHouseSteve.com. We are going through my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot, which is the predecessor to this one. Uh, a Nefarious Carol, which you can buy right now at Amazon.com. The hard covers at Amazon have sold out. Uh, and so we are working feverishly to replenish uh, that supply. You can still get the Audible version, the Kindle version. If you want to do that, just go to Amazon.com, look up a Nefarious Carol. Uh, thank you guys very much. Uh, all the autographed copies also sold out. So, I mean, the book is... You guys are crushing it right now. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas for the Dace Kids. <laughs> right? So, uh, but we've been going back through in the lead up to this book getting released, its predecessor, A Nefarious Plot. And as we continue going through the part of the book now where Lord Nefarious, the demon general from hell, who was tasked by the devil with taking down America. And he is now in great detail pointing out the plan that he utilized in order to take us down. We're in the chapter now where he talks about how we created a culture of despair. And boy, howdy. If there's a, if there's a word that summarizes this year, yeah, despair would be one of them, right? Which is where I want to start this year. Because again... Lord Nefarious wrote this in 2016, correct? Yeah, 2015. Yeah. 2015. Uh, as prophetic as this is, there's a part of this that I'm about to read a little bit of that is just a little quaint. Yet, even though 
uh, there was a progress. He's he he talks about a progressive group called the Campaign for America's Future, listed quote seven signs that the American dream is dying, and he has a good laugh because uh, even the pro- the the, the um, Aaron's generation is is the one it it owns hook line and sinker, but even they uh, have a, a sort of uh, I'd like my cake and eat it too complex, and mm-hmm. uh, t- I totally drink all the Kool Aid, but you know t- making a buck is kind of hard, and so there's this lament the devil of uh, or the demon general loves it but here's the seven signs that are listed most people can't get ahead financially the stay-at-home parent is a thing of the past student debt is crushing a generation of non-wealthy americans vacations aren't for the likes of you anymore even with health insurance medical care is increasingly unaffordable for most people americans no longer look forward to a secure retirement the rich are more debt-free while others have no choice again this is written in 2015 at the end of Obama's reign. We all have a multitude of complaints, frustrations, find his uh, presidency to be deeply destructive. Uh, but he, because he was so effective, yet from a 2020 lens, it was... It was not the Great Depression. You mentioned all the time we still were allowed the opportunity to live our lives largely as we saw fit. Mm-hmm. This is the first time in this book since I've been talking to you. I need to demand that you do a second edition along this line on the fly because this this makes me blush a little bit. This part isn't even adequate to where we are now. What are the seven signs now that the American dream isn't dying but in fact, dead in real time, we're looking at it. What has happened in the last 20 years that says, hold my beer? I can't even, I, I, you answered your own question, I think. I, I, what I hear you saying is this is even truer than Nefarious was taunting us with five years ago. It's even, it, that we're beyond... It's so true that we have reached the next level of despair, right? That what he described as the fruits of despair in the culture, we're, we're, we're beyond that now. We're like, can I leave my house without a, a, a you know, a China diaper on, right? Yeah. Um, you know, um, we used to, five years ago, we were complaining about parents treating the schools like a glorified daycare. And now we've had despair has taken over so much that they hate your kids so much they don't even want to brainwash them anymore. Like they don't want to show up to brainwash them. You know what I'm saying? Like they just can't even be bothered with brainwashing. Now the schools are closed. Can't even be bothered with brainwashing them anymore. I I read something yesterday that Joe Biden uh, said behind the scenes to a group of I think it was some teacher groups or education groups yesterday, talking about. you guys are not going to be happy about this, but he said, after I do my 100 days of masks and, and everything, I'm going to push to reopen the schools. You guys got to put the kids, kids got to go back to school. Think about that. Think about the fact that I've spent most of my career trying to get the kids out of the schools. And I spent a good deal of time this year trying to get the kids back in. The, the, the brainwashers don't want them back. That's a that's a next level of despair right there. Like, I, dude, I hate your kids so much. I don't even want to brainwash them now. I don't even care. Just leave them at home. We don't, you know, whatever. That's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
The next level, speaking of the next level, you mentioned this. Like I keep telling you, I'm a demon and a damn good one. I'm an agent of chaos. I enjoy watching your destruction. I get off on it, actually. I completely and totally have your every fiber of my being. Hate you with every fiber of my being. I have a very dim view of your species process prospects. Nevertheless, even I have never seen a people so far gone. They destroy their own infrastructure in an effort to get back at their alleged oppressors. Again, you wrote this at 2015 about, wait for it, race relations. Mm -hmm. Now here we are again. With well, the we watched people burn down their own neighborhoods. I'm so mad that, um, in my view, that cop should not have put his knee on George, George Floyd's neck for nine minutes. I don't think he should have done that. And I think he should be prosecuted for it. But I also don't think that because the cop did that to George Floyd, I just now forget that the dude was a drug addict that pointed a gun at a woman's stomach either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just, I don't believe, the, I don't believe, I don't believe because that cop did that to George Floyd, that that beatifies and canonizes him by extension. I don't believe that. But, but how did the, how did those who do, how did they react? They, they, yeah, they looted stores and stuff, but a lot of those homes and projects and apartment buildings, they are, they live there. They burned down their own places. I mean, this isn't, nope, they weren't storming the Bastille here. This is like in the, this is like the French Revolution though they went back and just lit their own crops on fire. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's what he's talking about here. And we just watched this play itself out again this summer. And thirdly, to make a larger point, you cite uh, data from uh, around this time and this data perhaps goes uh, uh, because you're writing in 2015 it might go back 2014 2013 but uh, in a, a poll government is the uh, was listed as the biggest problem for four months in a row uh, the uh, GOP in regarding to the GOP Congress and the GOP had control of uh, all of Congress at the time only 3% of Republicans have confidence in the legislative branch that they controlled all of this struck me in light of the fact of what we talked about earlier on the show today and yesterday about who uh where the money was going to go uh that we're talking about right in, in a bill uh whatever bill congress does mm -hmm. pass uh, uh to help uh, americans with covid relief justin amash on twitter did you see what he said quote congress is an illusion People were dragging him for that, making fun of him for that. Now, we've had our differences with Justin. That, well, that, that was Justin Amash before he got Trump derangement syndrome. Yep. That, that's the old Justin Amash. Yep. Yeah. But again, all three of these points, I bring them up because they're about different content matter. It proves the central contention of your book. We are now five, four to five years on from when you wrote it. Right. You're Steve Dace, you're writing as the demon, but the premise is you are so far gone, I can tell you the truth. Yes. You won't turn around. I've just given you three points that have played out over the last four years that prove that you were not just using a rhetorical flourish right there. We, we have the scientific data, yeah. the social scientific data. We clearly, short of revival, cannot turn ourselves around. It was having all three uh, methods of governing for Republicans were supposed is, to do it. The point Nefarious is making is something I've talked about on the show this, this year a lot. 
He's saying to you, and this was five years ago, you have nowhere to go. There is no party you can go to, no institution you could go to. You know, I was on with, um, uh, uh, is it Peter Boyle, I want to say is his name, longtime talk show host in Denver, Colorado. Uh, he had me on his show this week talking about my new book, A Nefarious Carol. And he thinks it's time basically for Trump's base to accept the reality of the situation. Hardcore conservative, he's like, I think it's time to accept the reality that Joe Biden's going to be president. And he's he's upset that his audience, portions of his audience have turned on him for telling him this. And he asked me what I thought, and I said, and he, and he thinks that they're kind of acting like a cult. And I said, well, hey, on my show four years ago, I was one of the first people to call a Trump cult. There, there, is a, there is a cult of personality aspect to Trump support. First of all, every political figure gets them. But he was a celebrity on top of that, which just makes it even more obnoxious at times, right? But when it was, when it was a, a, a cult of personality doesn't produce the waves of crowds we saw in Washington, D.C. last weekend. You need more than that. And I said, the problem your audience has is that they're afraid. Even though he probably, even though he didn't go as far as I wanted him to go, and maybe as far as Peter as you wanted him to go. I mean, like, even just now, the president announced, hey, they didn't do what we told them to do. There's, there's too much stuff in this defense bill that China loves. They didn't get rid of Section 230 for social media. They're renaming bases that, you know, from, and I'm not doing any of that. I'm vetoing the bill. Name another Republican pres presidential nominee or president since Reagan you think would, would, would veto a, a, something like the National Defense Authorization Bill. Right. I don't even know that Reagan would do that, frankly, because he was in a different era, you know, about what the Defense Department was about. See, that's the point, is that the reason Donald Trump got 10 more points of Republicans almost than he did four years ago is he earned those votes for all of his flaws. People thought, you know what, I wish he would do more but he's the only one doing anything. He's the only one doing it. You're, how many times you hear me say the last couple of years? For all the times he flummoxes me, frustrates me, I wish you would do this differently. The reality is nothing good is getting done unless he does it, right? How many times did I say right. that? That was just the truth as far as I could tell. Right. And that's, that's why those waves of people are showing up. Because they know this isn't a political party without him that has really, with a few exceptions, any real interest in in representing them. It just hurting them in for votes and then uh, doing whatever the hell they want after they win the election. And they feel like, hey, if this guy goes away, then it's just me and my guns versus everybody else. And I don't want that. They're afraid. And I don't blame them for being afraid. And that's part of the despair that we're talking about here. Where else? It's Richard yeah. Gere in a, an officer and the gentleman. I got nowhere else to go. Where else well, would they go? David Perdue, Mitch McConnell, more proof of that here. I, this the churches that is, are closed. Some of you are yeah. going to say, "Well, the church." A lot of them are closed. So where would they go? Where would they go? 
you write about uh, de depression diagnoses are increasing twenty percent each year. Yeah, what are now they? we just mentioned on the show that yeah. the young our, the young generation, Aaron's generation, is not dying from COVID; uh, they're dying from uh, killing uh, uh, themselves. So that's only the, the phrase "opioid crisis" yes. wasn't in the lexicon when this book was written yeah. in twenty fifteen. Well, it's talked about every day in America. You know now. what else you don't even talk about in this chapter, and I'm not sure we've even talked about it in the context of this book. You mentioned the problem with race relations and what men think of women and women think of men but you what you don't mention in here is the whole trans transgender you don't even, even on the radar yet it's again yeah now that i've given you five points i honestly this this chapter is suffocating because you you really realize now i'm not reading a work of fiction you the promise that you cannot turn around from your mess I'm, I'm, is I'm, I'm just myself right now. embodied in this chapter I, I, and I've given you five points within the last what, 10 minutes that make it undeniably so why the promise Nefarious made, I, I'm giving you this book because it's over, is true. And just briefly, another underscoring of that. Back years ago, now it's been, remember when we used to have this week's sign the apocalypse is upon oh us my. yeah yeah <laughs> this week's sign the apocalypse is upon us now we just do a Guys, montage of daily events that lizzo story about being shamed for wanting to ge to, to become more healthy that was our kicker today in the montage that was our kicker that would have been a oh, this week's sign the apocalypse is upon us that was just like three four years ago guys i hate myself The deadline is approaching, all right? Patriot Penguin, if you're sick and tired of overpriced greeting cards that don't say what you really want them to say, you know, uh, you don't want incoherent messages that sound like or something uh, syrupy, uh, incoherent, uh, ridiculous. You don't want a greeting card written by Joe Biden's teleprompter writer, all right? Uh, you want something that, uh, that, that is clever, will uh, trigger the right people. Uh, that's where you go to our friends over at Patriot Penguin. All right. They have the kind of Christmas card that you are looking for, but the deadline is fast approaching to take advantage of this offer so you can get your cards sent out before Christmas. All right. PatriotPenguin.com and use the offer code Steve. Get 20 or get four cards for just $22. Four cards custom for you for just $22 at PatriotPenguin.com. Offer code Steve. That's PatriotPenguin.com. Offer code Steve. And yes, they come with a bigly sense of humor at PatriotPenguin.com. Promo code Steve. But time is of the essence here. All right. Who knows how much longer you've got to get this all done before Christmas. So PatriotPenguin.com slash Steve. Let's get to three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? A question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Guys, I'm still laughing at this Katie Hill tweet. You remember Katie Hill? She's the the disgraced former congresswoman uh, from California who 
had a sexual relationship with an employee of hers while she was a congresswoman, and so she got uh, you know kicked out of Congress for that. Uh, she's responding to Marco Rubio talking about that deputy chief of staff for Biden calling Republicans a bunch of F-worders. She says, quote, because y'all are the biggest bunch of F-worders in history. Stop being that and unity and healing will be a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> do they even do they even hear the words that are coming out of their mouths? But Katie, I was born that way. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Three non-political questions. We will start at the very beginning. That's a very good place to start. Question number one. What's on your Mount Rushmore of Christmas traditions? Mount Rushmore of Christmas traditions. Um, Christmas morning with the kids. That's coming to an end. We got three teenagers. This is probably going to be Anna's last year in the house. So, um, but... uh, the and we have filmed it every year i mean the the memories that we have of christmas morning with the kids i mean are just that that's number one um you know we uh we put the tree and all the decorations up thanksgiving weekend um that's a big tradition at our house we do all of that thanksgiving weekend a recent tradition we've done the last few years is uh, the church we've gone to uh, for the last few years has done a midnight service on Christmas Eve. So we've done that the last few years. That's that's kind of become a tradition. And then, you know, all the old uh, Rankin-Bass Christmas specials. Um, I, the Minions, you guys know I love the Minions. They came out with a Christmas special. Like, none of it is about Christmas. I ended up just turning it off. And you know how much I love the Minions, but I'm like, this is just like a Minions cartoon you could have released year round. Like five minutes was about Christmas and the rest of it was just about the Minions. So I turned it off and instead I've got all the old rank and bass things DVR'd um, and I put in the year without a Santa Claus. That's the year that uh, Santa Claus, you've ever seen that one? The one where he just taps out. He's decided he's had enough. He's not He's not doing it this year. No. Yeah. Yeah. And Mickey Rooney is like voices Santa Claus in that one. Okay. I watched that one instead. And that's, that's more of what I'm talking about. So, um, those four something we I've really enjoyed the last few years though is one of my all-time favorite movies is it's a wonderful life and uh for the last few years I've like live blogged or I've like live tweeted it um and it's always fun when we watch it every year for Christmas it's always fun to see the diversity and collection of people that love that film and pick up on those tweets and, and share them as well. But, uh, um, I'm thinking about five now though. Right. And that's not even counting all of the, you can just keep going. It's, uh, it's tremendous the year of giving. Yes. Um, I'm going to have a trans Rushmore, a trans Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. So it could have four slots, five or six. Uh, you know, what? I'll stop there. I'll just stop there. You go ahead, Todd. Well, several of them are canceled. This year, Uh, the always go get our Christmas tree uh, from this place. It's a suburb of Des Moines. And when I first uh, moved here, 
I just stumbled upon him, but he's a guy who comes down here every single year and puts his Christmas tree in the exact same place. And he's from Northern Wisconsin. So we, you know, over like, I don't know, 15 years now, walk in, Hey, good to see you. Get the tree, talk about the Packers and walk out. But it, and this year he's not there. Uh, always have my, my kid, my four daughters always sing in the Christmas choir at Christmas Eve mass. Mm. Not doing that, uh, this year, not because well, we'd be fine doing it, but they just canceled it. You can't you have to, you have to call. I don't know, but I know this is not unique to my church, but just to go to Christmas Eve mass, because obviously that's normally standing room only. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to call and make a reservation to it's, which is, you know, just as, uh, the strange gypsy woman foretold uh, <laughs> in the gospel. It's just insane. Uh, the, and obvious, this is only three, but we'll move on. Is that? And we're definitely doing this every year. We watch the movie that is now. Boy, is it getting close to fifteen years old with Oscar Isaac? Uh, oh, the, the Nativity the, Story. The, the Nativity Story. Yeah, that's very well done. Which is just yeah. I know every single time it works me over in all the same ways and all the same places. I just love that film. It's exquisitely acted. Yeah. That's very well done. I think for me, it's Christmas movies, and that's a wide range of Hallmark Channel? You're watching those all day? Oh, heck no. Not the Hallmark Channel. Oh, that's on mine only because I'm... Yeah, you're the lone. That's on TV a lot. (laughs) A lot. Um, It's the Christmas... And I, I actually include Harry Potter in that. I mean... Harry Potter, the Christmas in the Harry Potter stories is kind of a big deal, especially in the early movies. I don't know. There's just something Christmassy about Harry Potter to me. Um, I'm going to get five emails. That was a troll, right? Uh, that, that was absolutely. a troll. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so Christmas movies, that's one thing. Something cr- something uh, different or special for um, Christmas morning breakfast. That's always, that's always something to look forward to. I uh, usually have a kind of a big breakfast. Um, I, I would say putting up, I mean, it's not really a Christmas tradition, so I'll skip that. I will, I will say one, when I was younger, this was always a tradition with me and my siblings, you know, those green toy army soldiers, uh, kind of like what's in toy story. Yeah. I don't know why we did this, but we would always put them in the Christmas tree <laughs> and like set them up in the Christmas tree as if they were fighting with each other in the Christmas tree. Because you're boys? Because we're boys and yeah. we always got to fight. So um, that's that's uh, that's three. I'll just leave it at that since you had extra. Uh, question two, what's your, the best Christmas memory you have? Oh, this is hard to narrow it down, man. Um. So I, because, you know, we had great Christmases when I was a kid and there's a lot of memories I could choose from that. But I think I'm going to choose the year the when, when Anna, when iPads first came out, uh, our oldest and Anna wanted one really bad and she saved everything, did extra chores, everything. She saved everything for a year and uh, was still a little bit short. And we knew that, okay? We just didn't tell her we knew that. And so we put in the last hundred, couple hundred bucks, whatever it was, for her to get her iPad. And we have this whole thing on camera. And the way that we did it is 
she, our kids get well, that's something I didn't mention as a tradition. Our kids get three presents for Christmas, and they want this year because we went to Disney World. But when we don't go to Disney World, they get three presents because they were getting so spoiled when they were younger. We figured if three presents are good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for them. Now, one's like a practical gift, school clothes, something like that. Another's a really nice gift. And then the third one's like a really, really nice gift. Like Noah has gotten like a Nintendo Switch for that gift or something. You know what I mean? And so one of Anna's three gifts was a big box. It was massive. She opened it up and there's another box. Open it up, there's another box. Open it up, there's another box. All right. And finally she gets to a box. It's about the size of an iPad, but it's not an iPad box. And it says... You need to now trust your mother and go upstairs. There's a note in it. It says, trust your mother, go upstairs um, and go get all your money. You've been saving up for your iPad and you need to give it to your mom. And she, and, and she gets this look on her face. She has my quick wit. So she starts trying, she starts figuring out, wait a minute, is this going down right now? Am I, are they going to pay for the rest of this? And she takes off running up the stairs, go gets all the money she's been saving in her bedroom, brings it all down, throws it in her mom's. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And her mom hands her one more, Amy hands her one more uh, gift and she opens it up and it's the iPad. And I mean, she was just so elated and she just broke down and cried. That's, that's probably my favorite one. A close second was the year that Noah was given a voucher to go to his first Michigan football game against Hawaii. This was 2016. And that kid looked like I just told him we're going to the Holy Land. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was like moved, like physically moved that we were going to do this. Anyway, Todd, go ahead. Well, it's because you understand and remember the magic that you felt that when you're when you see the look on your kids faces why you can connect with them i mean i still absolutely remember uh the feeling of uh whatever christmas that was but what is a first grade second grade when i opened up the millennium falcon and the x-wing fighter that that was a good christmas and, oh yeah, I remember my grandmother bought me the entire yeah. Star Wars catalog. And then a couple yeah. years later, when my grandma got us the uh, Super Nintendo, uh, you know, it's 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 as close to magic as a kid uh, often feels. And I mean, my goodness, looking at how many kids don't get to experience mm -hmm. that in this world on multiple levels, Christmas or not. Like, I mean, you, you look back on that and you realize how much your cup overflowed in some respects, I, I speaking for myself, and then you just want to do what you can to make sure your kids have those mornings mm -hmm. and, um, you know, give you that big hug. I mean, heck, I spend my time now. My daughter is a junior in high school, but I, I'd catch myself as she's doing homework at the table and just kind of looking at her because, you know, in a year and a half, she's gone. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've been there. I think, I mean, there's a number of them, so I'm just going with gut, and I, I might, I mean, this might be uh, just recency bias. Of course, first Christmas married, that's always special, and that was that was last year for us, but um, there were a few years ago when my entire family went out to Spokane to visit the Spokane McIntyre clan, and my parents actually paid for anybody who wanted to go 
uh, for skiing on Mount, Mount Spokane. So me and pretty much all of my brothers, except for one of my brothers who was not able to make it, but pretty much all of my brothers and then my dad even uh, uh, were able to go skiing. And uh, that was just uh, a blast and mm. sitting on the gondola uh, as it was just getting dark when it was snowing up on Mount Spokane with my dad and going down for one last time. That was that was a great me- memory. All right. Before we do the last question, let me tell you about real estate agents. I trust.com. You are living in ready unprecedented times, Bing. which means you need to make sure before you go into a real estate market, you've got an agent that you can trust. Now you need that any point in time. I mean, this can be one of the most stressful things you ever do is buying or selling a home, especially if you're doing the buying and selling at the exact same time or the selling and the buying. So where would you find such an agent? Well, the name kind of says it all. Thankfully, you can go to this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a company started by Glenn Beck and some of his associates who were tired of real estate agents who talked a good game, but then didn't deliver the promised results uh, when needed the most. And so they didn't want that to happen to you and I. And so they created a referral source system for agents around the country, agents only with a proven vetted track record of success uh, and understanding that they work for you, not you for them. Only those kinds of agents are listed here. So go to this website before you go into the real estate market, realestateagentsitrust.com. All right. Final question, Aaron. All right. Would you be on the naughty or nice list this year? Depends on who Santa Claus is. I think it's entirely depends on who's the Santa who's making the list. All right. Now, if it's good old St. Nick, I came to bring presents to kids and punch heretics in the face and I'm all out of presents. I'm, I, I might be pretty high on his nice list, actually. Oh, if that's the case, I'm the nicest I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If it's, if it's, if it's nicer than God, Santa, if it's, um, if it's, you can't have a Nerf gun. If it, yeah, if it's statist Santa, Oh man, I'm not, I'm not getting a lump of coal, brother. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a one-way ticket to a re- re- re-education camp. Okay, so I, I kind of think it depends on who Santa is. It's probably this answer for all three of us, isn't it? Who's Santa? I think that's true, which makes me think of, man. I don't have time to get into it, but it made me think of Shawnee B. I finally watched his last analysis of Lost. Oh, that's the guy that did the, yeah. the, the videos breaking he down talked. all the Easter eggs and Lost. Those Shawnee B videos are oh, yeah. brilliant. He does, yeah. from a certain point of view, Jacob was the bad guy. Yeah. He wasn't in the Man of Black. You got to feel sorry for him. And from a certain point of view, yeah. If you flip the script, sure. Yeah. The Man of Black's not the bad guy. Right? Yeah. I mean, he was a, he was a victim. He, he yeah. breaks it down and then he says... Yeah, I'm not even going to believe that, but he had to go there. It was yeah, uh, so. Yeah. yeah, it does. You're right. Which Santa are we talking about? Yeah, yeah I think. Uh, I think I would. I think I would um, be on on the on the nice list. Whatever list is is the list that offends the most amount of people. I, I would be on that list. <laughs> I like that answer, too. That's a good answer. We're going to stick around and do some overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. Uh, if you're not one yet, go to blazetv.com slash Dace and become one for a discounted subscription. For the rest of you, we are back at it again tomorrow. Big show tomorrow. Our special two-hour year-end Dace group. You don't want to miss it. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.